Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. They're going to play Kansas and he goes and just sneezes on (laughs) Devon Dotson. Is this a strategy? <laughs> Pete Thamel. I just picture like stormtroopers, but with like nasal drip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. Yeah, this is coronavirus, two words versus coronavirus, one word. <laughs> and here's Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. We got everybody here. Congratulations to all of us for showing up for work. <laughs> Least we could do. We got a lot to get to today, but I want to start with this uh, tremendous gambling proposition that I saw. I, hang on uh, a second. I, 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 I hate to interrupt right away, but this is urgent breaking podcast red meat uh, before we get to gambling, which is also red meat for us and various other stupidity. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I, I have to nominate, you know, every every week in the uh, the football pod, we had our small sample Heisman, and I want to nominate my small sample bo- college basketball player of the year, Jackson State senior manager Thomas Snacks Lee. Snacks is in this game, man. And if there's ever been a great nickname, an appropriate nickname, because if you've seen Snacks, uh, he's about the size of two and a half Zion, Zion Williamson's. He is a large young man. <laughs> <laughs> and, the snacks uh, were not carrot in, sticks, huh? Yeah, the snacks <laughs> were not carrots. <laughs> they were XL pizzas, multiple per night, apparently. But uh, snacks, so snacks got put in the game <laughs> on senior night with two minutes left last night. First time he's played, he's been a manager. And he waddled around <laughs> the court a bit. And then cashed a three from like 30 feet. Jonas James trying to get it to him. Jonas James gets it to him again. Here's Snacks with three. Snacks busted. Snacks. Snacks. It's the three. Snacks. Snacks. Watched out with three. Oh, my goodness. Greatest single, like, on-command performance I've ever seen. A 350-pound dish manager checks into his first game and hits a three from 30. So... Thomas Snacks Lee, Jackson State, small sample player of the year, college basketball. Carry on, Dan. <laughs> he just hijacks the start of the show with a student manager, yeah. and I'm all for it. <laughs> Snacks is our spirit animal I, here. I'm sure Sully's going to put the <laughs> sound in 
but the play-by-play guy just yelling, snacks, snacks, snacks. Yeah. It's like the Giants win the pennant right. of Jackson State basketball. <laughs> and the color guy, when he checks in, when he yeah. checks in, snacks is in the game, man. <laughs> Can tell everybody around Jackson State knows yeah. snacks and loves yeah. snacks. You can just tell that he is just that guy that everybody likes. And so it's like, why don't we put him in the game if we you know, yeah. Green light for snacks. He Green. shot that wow. thing. I mean, if Steph Curry took that, Steve Kerr would be like, hey, let's <laughs> let's slow the roll a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that was the same one LeBron hit against the Pelicans the other night uh, to, to yeah. answer Zion. It was just like that right. that casual pull up 11 feet behind the three-point line. All good. <laughs> All right. Snacks, we love you, buddy. We love you. Good stuff right there. We do. All right. Can I get back to the gambling? Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. This is real college sort of football gambling, sort of. They used to play college football. I don't know if you saw this, but this is the best bet I've ever seen. And I don't know what the result is because I don't think they've come out with it yet. But you could gamble on which quarterback, presumably anybody, but which quarterback at the NFL Combine would get the highest Wonderlick score. <laughs> I mean, now this is gambling. <laughs> That's a prop bet. Justin Herbert, plus 150 out of Oregon. He's the betting favorite. On which quarterback would get the Wonderlick, the highest Wonderlick? Uh, Thamel did a story on him. He was like a, a biology TA or yeah. something, right? I wouldn't bet against Justin Herbert. I might bet against him as a player, yeah. but I would not bet against him in the Wonderlick. <laughs> not, I don't love him as a player, but he's my Josh Rosen memorial pick this year. As uh, <laughs> there you go, not good Pac-12 quarterback. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. He can prove me wrong. And then score higher on the Wonder Lick. I don't know if he'd score higher than me. Anyway, Fromm plus 250. Jalen Hurts plus 400. Tunga Vailoa plus 600. Jordan Love and Eason both plus 800. And then Bryant plus 1,000. What, what are they basing this on? I don't know. <laughs> Did they do the dirty work and call some professors? <laughs> No, I don't think they probably did, but I don't know. Jacob Eason and Jordan Love. How do you pick? I don't know. I have no how idea. How would you know which would do better? I mean, you watch how many dumb passes they throw and then decide they do badly on the Wonder League? Yeah. Uh, that's why Jacob <laughs> Eason know. is where he is. <laughs> well, yeah. Jacob Eason's never seen a pass he couldn't try to just overthrow into, into coverage. <laughs> what is on? What is the Wonder League? Like, what is this thing? I know, like, I mean, it's always funny, though. Someone will leak it. One agent will leak it to try to ruin some other guy and be like, so-and-so got oh, a yeah. three. Vince Young got a five. Like, Wait, what? Like, <laughs> Vince Young was the famous one, yeah. The famous Vince bad got one. The five. And then, like, remember, like, Pat McAfee got a perfect one, the punt punter from Harvard or whatever? <laughs> McAfee, he's, yeah. did he go to Harvard? You're talking about the punter from West Virginia, who's the ESPN analyst now. Um, some oh, that's the other Mac. Mac yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm getting my names wrong. Never mind. I withdraw. Yeah, your um, odds wouldn't be good on this path if, if they said odds on on <laughs> us. Clearly. Well, who was the punter? There was a punter from Harvard who punted for the Bengals. Gosh darn it! I'm gonna find his name. Well, this shows how you do on the Wonderlick. Which one of <laughs> us would get the highest Wonderlick? I I vote for me. Oh please, I vote for me. I think Sully would well, have your the longest daughter odds goes to Stanford, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's only, only, only bit of like intelligent revel uh, relevance in the intelligence community is Brooke Forty. 
going to Stanford. That's his only tie. <laughs> well, and so, you know what? A smart person would get that person to take the Wonderlick for them. So, yeah, I would win. <laughs> I would bet on yes. Trisha over all of us, for the record. <laughs> the <Wonderlick. laughs> I'm, getting, I'm here in Detroit where Derek Rose took his SAT. I think I could get this thing done. <laughs> <laughs> very common Good for uh, Chicago mm. high school students to take their SAT over here in uh, Detroit all the time. Uh, By the way, Pat, nothing. it's Pat McNally. Pat McNally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He had okay. a perfect score. Not McAfee. McNally. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think so. He was a Harvard punter who punted for the Bengals. Sully, do you have a Wonderlick test? I do. I got a Wonderlick test for all you guys. I actually took it last year. I can't remember my score. It was in the 30s, though. So I did okay. Oh, please. You can't remember. I don't. I really don't. It was like what's 30, a good score? A good score is anywhere in the 30s. Average. Yeah. Like uh, average. And Sully got a 30 something. Yeah. So do you have one? You can send us yes, one. Yes, I can, can send you one. And it's all different. It's it's a randomized Wonderlick test. 50 questions, 12 minutes. Each one of you guys will get a different uh, it's similar but different test. Uh and we'll we'll knock this thing out. We'll we'll actually settle this. You want to do it? You guys want to do this? I think we have to, right? I mean, I, I, I hate how Settle much I'm going to have to shame you guys, but, uh, you know, if, 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 if the pod calls uh, for it. <laughs> Sully, uh, I, just make it extra fair. If you send me the easier one, I, you know, mm -hmm. I can make things happen. Yep. <laughs> you got it, Dan. <laughs> uh, this is like the good, bad, and the ugly, the, the old Western movie where there's three guys, a three-way gunfight with the, and all of them have a grave dug behind them. <laughs> Who's so, going to get shot? Yeah. Uh, this could get really ugly. All right, let's do this. We, we're going to take a break. We need 12 minutes. We'll be back in seconds for you, the listener. But we're going to break, and, and I'm going to whoop these guys and teach them what's what. He's going to whip us so bad, he's going to end up donating to UMass with the, uh, with the proceeds. <laughs> All right, we're back. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> Here's what happened, listeners. Wetzel didn't finish, and Thamel lost his results. Therefore, Thamel's like, at I least win. I finished. First off, 12 minutes. I, I don't like doing something fun for 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with the word problems. I I hated, like, the geometry stuff. That's like, uh, that 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 is, is not in my wheelhouse. Oh, that little folder? Yeah, it's yeah. like folding. Clearly, the key is just get some answers in. I didn't get I, I, I missed a ton of questions. I missed at least 10 questions. What, yeah, exactly. Wetzel's going to be delay. Wetzel's getting delay a game penalties at the line of scrimmage. Oh, left and right. Mess. He's the quarterback. That's like Andy Reid. Family loses, loses his playbook. So do we have the answers? Did Pete find no, it? I, I, I immediately hit a button after I finished. And then I went oh. back. And hit backwards. This is the Go hanging back. chat of Wonderlicks. All right. So Pete gets third place because he lost his, his dog ate the homework. It's Pete's Pete's third place. Right. He gets a zero. Um total failure. All right. So it's me and me and Pat. The results are in. All right. Let's let's actually do it this way. So Dan Wetzel score tied with Josh Allen, Tony Romo, Andrew Luck, Joey Bosa, Cooper Cup. Pat Forty tied with Eli Manning, Brian oh. Greasy. Pat Forty wins with a 39. Dan Wetzel with a 37. Oh. There we go. You there answered go, all baby. the questions and only got a 39. 
Well, I was moving quickly through some of them to try to get done because I didn't want to delay a game penalty at the line of scrimmage. What's the highest score you can get? 50. 50, right? All 50. Yeah. Nobody's gotten 50? Only the Harvard the, guy? The Harvard, the Harvard punter? punter? Mm-hmm. Pat McNally, baby. Ryan Fitzpatrick got a 48. Did he? Uh, there you go. Two Harvard guys. McElroy got a 48, too. Wow. 37. Serious huh? question. Like, like me and Roma. Can you like use pen yeah. and paper to do the math? Because I started doing the math in my head on like some of the percentages, and I was like, I need oh, like scratch paper. But then I didn't want like Sully to be watching, and I like I called out for cheating on the Wonderlick and then living <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I used my little paper yeah. here a little bit. I had to pull out some paper. Oh, oh, that changes everything. Changes. First oh, off, come beat. on. <laughs> Pete is basically just a quitter. He just he just hit. He just like I did so poorly. I'm just gonna quit. <laughs> he spiked it, and he'll wait for West to set up the Detroit retest. Yeah, <laughs> I am sad. I'm very disappointed in my performance. <laughs> See, here we go. That's uh, that. This bragging right will live forever. I may have gotten every question. I'm gonna right. retake it I don't when know. we're done. <laughs> I'm pissed. I right. I refuse to go down to uh, to Captain Missouri over there. So <laughs> if if Brooke beat me, I would have no problem. 30, but not Pat. Thirty nine, baby. I don't mind doing a podcast with le- lesser intellects. It's fine. <laughs> Post to our Wonderlick scores. The big news of the week, of course, is um, coronavirus. Uh, we were alarmed by a poll that came out. I don't really trust polls too much because this is the kind of thing I would have absolutely lied on just to screw with the poll vote, the <laughs> poll taker. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I made the joke that you might get coronavirus by drinking Corona beer. A joke I almost didn't tell because I thought it'd be too stupid even for this podcast, <laughs> even for us. <laughs> Pretty low threshold. But it turns out once again, I have my finger on the pulse of America because according to this poll, 38 percent of Americans think that is actually true. <laughs> Come on. Come on. This is why I don't trust some poll. Like, they'll. Sometimes the political parties will like try to like make the other political party look bad by saying seven percent of uh, Democrats think, you know, the U.S. should sell the Rocky Mountains or, you know, some (laughs) some just completely illogical idea. Right. Like eight percent of Republicans think Mickey Mouse should be assassinated. (laughs) You can come up with 10 percent of anything. Yep. Because if 38% of people thought the Corona beer gives you the coronavirus. <laughs> well, I, I hate to tell him Mark Few is a goner, by the way. I was in his office uh, Saturday night and he had a, a Corona to celebrate winning the West Coast Conference Championship. Wow. Risk, right. Risked his life. Wow, that's some big gambling news heading into the to the tournament. Yeah, he might be under Did the he weather. Have a lime? He might be under is the he weather. a lime guy? No, no lime. Uh-huh. No lime. The lime is the anecdote. If you have the lime, <laughs> the coronavirus <laughs> dies. Yeah. That's it's like scurvy. Uh, I had a Corona <laughs> down at uh, down in Florida when I was recently in Florida because I ran out of my ran out of beer. So I had to drink one of my friend's beers. He may have been trying to kill me. Yeah. See, now there was also this belief that Corona was suffering. But in fact, Corona sales are actually up four percent, according to uh, some kind of beverage uh industry so go figure did you see the gif on twitter of the beer fridge with all the other beers wearing masks and corona not wearing a mask yeah i, I oh, thought yeah. that was oh, yeah. pretty Great. peak internet humor yeah. that's pretty good pretty good yeah now <laughs> aside from this nonsense wash your hands people wash your hands the national college players association now the national college players association is an advocacy group for uh college athletes and 
I, I actually like the NCPA. Uh, it's not an official union. It has no actual power, but it's kind of a thorn in the side of the NCAA and just advocates for players' rights. And, you know, just it could be anything from name. We want name, image and likeness to I don't know, whatever. And through the years, they've done some really, really good work. I think the NCPA is a is a good organization. However, they issued a statement just last week on the college athlete safety relative to the coronavirus. Quote, in the wake of the emerging coronavirus pandemic, the NCAA and its colleges take precautions to protect college athletes. They should also make public which actions will be taken and when. Precautions should include canceling all auxiliary events that put players in contact with crowds, such as meet and greets and press events. What? (laughs) Athletic programs should also take every possible measure to sanitize buses and airplanes used to transport players. All right. I mean, this is fine. However, here we go. In regards to the NCAA's March Madness tournament and other athletic events, there should be a serious discussion about holding competitions without an audience present. So they want to run the NCAA tournament, possibly, with no crowds in an effort to protect the students. Now, here's my thing with this and the coronavirus. I don't think the people in the crowd are really, I mean, if you're on a college campus, you're in close proximity to other people. Uh, You're probably more likely to get the coronavirus in a dorm. And if we really want to get serious, is the NCPA going to call for the players to no longer uh, hook up with any of the uh, female admirers or male admirers. <laughs> NCPA calls for celibacy. Yeah, No cheerleaders should be allowed near. I mean, how far are we willing to go on this sacrifice? <laughs> I think you're, I mean, college campuses have been a cauldron for dis- communicable diseases for a long time now. So, uh, you know, let's, Let's be careful here. Pat Forty, your thoughts on playing the NCAA basketball tournament with no fans and no press events, which might mean I don't have to work. So actually, it'd be all right. I might be in favor of this. Uh, I got to further analyze that uh, situation. What are your thoughts? Is the NCPA correct on this one? The NCPA is well-meaning and completely, completely, utterly wrong on this, or at least wildly premature Overly hysterical, over uh, a complete overreaction. Look, there, there are a lot of different ways where the germs are, could get around more easily than in a stadium, I think, or a, a, an arena. Yeah, every time you go to the bathroom in the dorm or you go into a classroom, you turn, you get, put your hand on the doorknob to go into a classroom. It's Two thousand other students have done the same thing. So that, and I mean, if if we're really worried about close contact with other human beings, if you get, say, it's an NCAA tournament site and you get eight teams in one location, so that's eight times 12, 96 players plus sports staff, double 200 people. And out of the 96 players, they're all going to be using the locker rooms. They're going to be actually playing against each other, slobbering on each other, sweating on each other. They just shouldn't play the games because you're going to probably a better chance of catching a uh, coronavirus that way than from somebody sneezing in the upper deck. Ramogi Huma, good guy, good ideas, not this one, bad idea. So I will say this. There has been one famous college basketball game played with no one in attendance. And it's probably more Northeast famous than actually famous. It was happened in 1989 amid a measles outbreak in the Hartford Civic Center. The only people there 
my recollection of this were the teams, players, coaches, and then the media, as long as they had had measles shots. There was an outbreak of measles in the Northeast. And Sienna beat BU at the buzzer in the game, you know, instead of just being a North Atlantic Conference tournament game, a conference that no longer exists right now, it became sort of this, like, very famous, you know, where were you when it happened? The few people who were there, how did it go? So there is precedent to the fanless experience. That said, I love most of what the organization does, and I understand the advocacy for student athletes. It was overdue. They do some things. This was what they call a reach. So what? let's say you get into the NSA tournament. It, could this be a strategy? Like, let's say, <laughs> let's say Jackson State basketball Gets into the NCAA tournament and they they draw snacks and be leads like a them to the swag tournament. They get their bed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give snacks the well, coronavirus. What if you, I can't handle that today. No, you give snacks <laughs> the coronavirus <laughs> oh, and then on warm up day, I knew you were going to give snacks. Up, the they're going to play Kansas. They're going to play Kansas, and he goes and just sneezes on <laughs> Devon Dotson. Is this a strategy? <laughs> Biological warfare. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's Bio- called March Madness. War. It's not called March. Let's hold hands here and be nice. Anything <laughs> goes. And remember now, in college athletics, the, the little brown jug between Michigan and Minnesota. Oh, yeah. It, it, it exists because Michigan wanted to bring their own water supply to a game in Minneapolis because they were fearful, they had suspicions that Minnesota was going to poison their water <laughs> during the game. Now, this was back in like 1930 or something. So this is <laughs> yeah. not new. Biological warfare has been around. <laughs> now, all right. Poor it, Do we know the incubation period yet for this disease? Like how long? Do we don't, we know. don't even know that yet, do we? <laughs> No. So like like snacks sneezing on Devon Dotson is not going to help Jackson State. It may help somebody that plays Kansas in the Final Four two weeks later, you know. But like you're not well, going to get them the next day. <laughs> All right. Well, when the bracket comes out and you got, let's say you're the two seed, so you're like Kentucky, yeah. and you're gonna you might face Kansas. Do you then send like a shadowy oh, yeah. manager to manage your thing or the bag of cash? And a coronavirus and say snacks. <laughs> when did this turn hey, into the Tanya that, Harding podcast? Like, I thought this was be about college sports. It's just like, you're essentially telling them they're going to like, Jeff Galuli is going to come and like whack their knee. That's essentially what you're suggesting. <laughs> the virus as a blunt force hey, weapon to advance. I apologize to, to Devon. There I apologize are 5, to Devon for using Kentucky his. Kentucky fans who, if, if John Calipari asked them today, <laughs> If, if, they five, do it. If, if John Calipari asked them today to go infect uh, Yudoka Azubuke, they would do it. Absolutely. <laughs> they would per, they would take on the virus and then go transmit it to him today. They'd be driving across the country to Lawrence. I just picture like stormtroopers, but with like nasal drip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They'd have to have <laughs> stormtroopers with nasal drip. Oh, God. <laughs> They'd have to set up a police like net on the on the highway in the little Lawrence. They'd be like trying to cough in the everybody coughs at once and the wind blows that way. We'll get the whole city. <laughs> Remember when those two old guys, the one guy from Kentucky and the guy from Louisville got in a fist fight at the dialysis clinic yes. before they were gonna oh, yeah. play? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that. this is basically the college version <laughs> of uh, Celtic Pride, that old '90s movie where they go, they they kidnap the guy. Instead, they're driving across the country to give him coronavirus. <laughs> Listen, I think you're naive if you don't think this has been considered. That's all I'm saying. Can I can I interject one serious thought here? I mean, I really hate to, but it would really be out of place. But go ahead. I know, I know. But like, what if? I mean, there there are people talking about cancel the olympics there are people you know in like european soccer they've been holding games without fans and stuff i mean the the outer edge of where this thing could go is is pretty scary i would think the canceling the olympics would really hit home considering you have someone in your family who could be an olympian <laughs> yeah brutal yeah. hey i'm scared they can and you olympic train trials. for years to chance. peak at yeah, that moment like, right yeah. yeah yeah the olympics are in tokyo and this thing is centered in in asia so I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a it's a wildly uncertain time. And I think, you know, I think it's human nature when you don't have your arms around something like this to to probably go to the alarmist extremes, worst thoughts. But uh, I think we're going to see people grappling with reaction and overreaction uh, pretty significantly in the coming weeks and months over this. They did say they're going ahead today uh, as we tape. They're going ahead with the, the torch lighting. So that, okay. that's at least a decent sign. Sure. Mm. You know, and they just, got just wipe down the torch when you hand it to the next person. Keep your your wipes handy. My experiences with the International Olympic Committee is when there's billions of dollars on the line, they don't care if a lot of people die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When there's billions of dollars on the line, they steal it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, not no, I don't really, you know, the right thing to do is usually not in the well, you think people on this podcast probably, you know, have been frustrated uh with uh the NCA. I get this a lot. People are like, the NCA is the most corrupt organization in sports. I'm like, oh, FIFA and the IOC <laughs> yeah. have got you lapped a million Hold times. Hold my corona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they deal in even bigger dollar figures, and uh, yeah, they're oh yeah, no doubt. The yeah, NCAA's mom and pop corruption compared to the other. FIFA's like a Saturday Night Live skit of corruption. You know what I mean? It's like oh, it's the worst. <laughs> they're, they're basically using slave labor to build the facilities in in Qatar for their sure. twenty whatever it is twenty twenty two. Like five thousand people are projected to die building the facility. I mean, it's. I mean, they're it's, still having it's it. It's so unbelievable. They were, you can't, it. they were thinking oh, no. about it, but they haven't no. yet. No, they're not. They're thinking about it. They're going to play it. Too big. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they exactly. have to play it in the winter because it's too hot, which is in the middle of all. It's I don't know. This isn't a soccer podcast. It's unbelievable. <laughs> all right, we're going to get to a good alternative, a new gimmick we're going to do, alternative reality in college football. But I want to let's talk a little college basketball while we're doing it. To me, I, I'm watching this thing, and Kansas looks like a lot better, like a like appreciably better than everybody else. I know Baylor held number one for a long time, and I know it's March and all those things, but I, I, you guys may or may not agree, and I guess we'll have to see at the end. But to me, it looks like Kansas is going to enter this thing as kind of like with more separation from everyone else in the country than I recall a team entering with more set like in previous years. There's always that number one overall seed or something, but like right now, there's no debate who the number one overall seed is there, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I mean, Kansas has separated itself. I mean, for a while it was, you know, it was Kansas and Baylor, and then they beat Baylor on their home court, and then Baylor lost again, and Kansas has played fantastically. And they are, yes, they are a clear, clear favorite at this point. They haven't lost since January 11th. The only thing, the two things with them are Yudoka Azubuke, their seven-footer who has honestly been playing like Shaq, 
in recent weeks. I mean, just dominant inside. Rolled an ankle against Kansas State. And while it may just be a rolled ankle, he's had feet and leg problems in the past, been injured. He's been out two of the last three seasons at some point in time for the rest of the season. You wonder if just if it gets in his head, if he's worried about getting hurt again and, and just what his level of effectiveness will be. And the other, uh, I pointed out in uh, the 40 minutes column this week, I mean, Kansas has been the number one seed a lot of times and not made the final four under Bill Self. I think it's six. I think I want to say eight times he's been number one seed, which is an awesome number. But I think six of those, they haven't even made the final four. So they have had some bad losses. They've had VCU, they've had Northern Iowa, and they've had some other flameouts. So Kansas, certainly on paper, yes, they are the team, but we'll see what happens in practice. Pat, you saw Kansas and Gonzaga live within the last two weekends. Compare and contrast, because if we were doing this six weeks ago, I might have said Gonzaga was your number one, you know, just looked the part to be that top seed. Uh, what did you think, of, especially the Zags in person? The Zags are maximizing their talent remarkably, like really one of the best jobs few has done, Mark Few has done with that. I don't think they're as good as they were last, not as talented as they were last year. You know, when they had multiple first round picks, I don't know whether they have a first round pick on this team. They play extremely well together. They're excellent offensively. They've got six options. They're okay defensively. They're okay athletically at certain positions. So I, I don't think there's any comparison that Kansas is the more talented team than Gonzaga is. I think this, again, might be Mark Few's best coaching job to have this team sitting there at 28-2 and two or whatever they are. So Zags and Kansas play on a neutral court this week. What do you set the line at? Kansas by seven. That's a big line. So, Pat, we touched on this last week when Pete and I were doing the pod. You wrote a column about off the Kansas-Baylor game about Kansas as like this potential uh, villain champion, basically, that, you know, this is a school that's under significant NCAA accusations, including the highest level of accusation they can give to Bill Self, yet they could win this thing. Take those that didn't read it on, on SI through that thought process of kind of what a weird scene this could be. If Kansas, which the NCAA is trying to basically pound into into dust, ends up winning the NCAA tournament and 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 potentially running Bill Self out of college basketball in the process, I'm not sure we have ever had a team win it all after they have already been charged with violations. We've had teams under investigation play in tournaments. We've had teams retroactively vacated, but I don't know whether we've ever had one where they have literally thrown the charges down. And then said, "Okay, well, we'll we'll get we'll get around to this eventually. But for now, you're free to go. You're free to play." And Kansas is stuck behind self, wholeheartedly. You're right. I mean, the sanctions possibly against him could be major. You know, suspension, maybe even up to a year. The the stuff that was laid out in court, which you were there for, Dan, was pretty damning. And Kansas basically just said, "Nah, we're going to roll with it." And it would just make for a very uh, a very 2020 college basketball experience, I think, to have the prohibitive favorite going into the tournament be sitting there right in the crosshairs of NCAA enforcement. And then if at the end of it, uh, you know, all the NCAA brass is there to applaud Kansas taking cutting down the nets in Atlanta. It is peak 2020. And I just think like as we're 
on the precipice of seismic change in college athletics, right? Like the Final Four is going to look drastically different in five years than it does than it does this year. I think it is fitting that Kansas, it with the three level one violations being alleged against it, with the you know chancellor and athletic director like pandering to the crowd, saying basically like yelling fake news really loud when the when the violations came out. When you talk to people who understand these cases, they think Kansas basically has little chance to escape without serious. They think Bill Self has little chance to when when all this plays out, be the head coach at Kansas still like Kansas is under the guillotine and like the knife is like right in their vein on their neck in terms of where they are with the NCAA right now. Look, cheaters prosper. It's an age old story. And there's not obviously there's not been any kind of deterrent to it, because even now we've essentially played out three seasons since September of 17, when these uh, when these college basketball uh, investigations first uh, first unveiled themselves with friends, June Kim and William Sweeney, neither of whom I think even have that job anymore. So as all this is unfolded, people have just basically dared the NCAA to punish them. And the NCAA looks dead as set to punish Kansas. And also, I think when you when you analyze what emerged in court through the text messages, through all the evidence that that came up and Dan, you you can certainly echo this or, or disagree with it if you want. I don't think there was more evidence on any other program than Kansas. I don't think anyone had more serious allegations emerge via the documents in federal court than against Bill Self from TJ Gasnola and others in that. So I think it's like, I think it's just a fascinating, fascinating dynamic. Perhaps one of the most interesting things that will happen in in this tournament. That conflict or tension, I guess is a better word, between Kansas and the NCAA and the prospect of like, Mark Emmert, Bill Self, buddy, buddy on the podium. Maybe Bill gives Mark a noogie after he wins the title is completely compelling. It's kind of a tie between Louisville and Kansas on that. Louisville didn't have a, well, they had a lot, but the big one was Brian Bowen Sr. saying he got money from an assistant coach at Louisville while living in the Galt house in Louisville and his son is on campus. And that happening months, like a few months after they got hit with the major infractions penalty and were put on probation and had their title taken down. So that to me was the repeat offender. Like, I don't know how that's not a repeat offender if you're going to have it. And that could literally trigger the death penalty. Now, I do not think they're going to do the death penalty. But the whole point of the death penalty is you have to like if you're a repeat offender and here was. The same coaching staff that got them put on probation the first time, months after getting hit, commits an, a you know red line violation of paying, a, giving money to a dad. Now, was Brian Bowen Sr. lying on the stand? I thought his story was completely believable. If you remember, it was like we had to meet at a gas station and then we met outside the hotel. Like, you know, why? There, there's a lot of stuff. So Louisville's in there, too. And they, they are very mm-hmm. good. They could win the That's NCAA the, tournament. Hey, Louisville's going to be a high seed. Arizona yeah. could be a high seed. LSU's going to be in the tournament. Uh, yeah, Creighton, a lot. You know. Don't forget <laughs> Creighton. They could be. Oh, Creighton, They could be, be a tough yeah. one seed. Creighton's kind of skirted this a little bit um, with yeah. their like. Who's the AD there? Bruce Rasmussen wasn't he the head of the NCAA tournament committee? And now Creighton's he just was. sitting there, Omaha, yeah. going like la 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 ago. la. <laughs> you can't find us. We're private. It's just like it's like maybe in the NCAA uh, selection committee they te- they teach them how to cheat better. Like, 
you know, they teach them. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And my friends from Auburn who are going to be like a five seed or something and now won't even say, won't even answer a properly answer a freedom of information request for the uh, notice of allegations that they have assuredly got. How how was your trip to the general counsel's office that you tweeted about, Pat? It was interesting. <laughs> I, I, I would say they were a bit flustered to see me in person because I did not tell them I'm coming over. I just went over. <laughs> And they were they were accommodating until they figured out exactly what I wanted. And they're like, yeah, like, uh, 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 ooh, oh, yeah, um, we're working on that. Mm, we're waiting for a responsive document. So, yes, we're in contact with athletics. And I said, I'll come back. OK, because I was there for like four days. So I did come back twice. I want to become a freedom of information director at one of these schools when I am done with this job because it's the greatest job ever. No. Yes. Uh, the law says you have to give me that. Nah, we're working on it. Oh. That, it my previous, it's just like the previous job of the Mueller report spokesman who for two years just had no comment because when, what is your job? I got, you got a comment? No, that's it. That's the whole job. You sit there by a desk every once in a while phone this is the Washington post. Uh, you have, no, <laughs> Hang out. I, I mean, I got Freedom of Information Act requests unfulfilled probably for 15 years <laughs> laying around college campuses. Like, no, nah, we can't get that. It's a very sensitive uh, HIPAA rules, whatever. Yeah, All right, right. Now, back to Kansas. The Kansas case to me, I don't care. My problem with Kansas was they cried victim and then sued and, and, and tried to get a million dollars off of James Gatto, who's bankrupt or should be the Adidas middle manager who was a integral part of them getting the players to win. He was their friend. He was their, their basically their coworker, a peer, business peer, a great guy. And they're trying to bankrupt them, even though all he ever did was help them out. Okay. That was my problem. You with forgot Kansas. that they also admitted all signed like a multi billion dollar deal with Adidas. Oh, of course. While it was happening. But even that, that was shameless. That was shameless. And I get that, but that's money. But when you're trying to screw a regular guy who you worked with and all you had to do was just say, yeah, we're not going to do it. We're not going to tell the judge you should put him in jail for longer. And we're not going to say you owe me a million bucks, a guy who doesn't have a million bucks and you're a huge university. That to me was absolutely, absolutely unforgivable. It was totally ridiculous. Every person at the Kansas Athletic Department knows damn well, deep down, that Jim Gatto helped them get players for the last 10 years or longer. And, and, and you're absolutely lying if you don't believe that. They all do. They know what the guy would. That's why they sign with these schools. You don't try to screw that guy. So that's why I'm against Kansas. As far as paying the players, I don't care. But I think if you look at that case, you would have to be the most naive person in all of Kansas to think that nothing happened here. I mean, during Billy Preston's recruiting trip. TJ Gasnola and Jim Gatto just happened to meet Billy Preston's mother at the hotel that Kansas has everybody staying at. Now, any, any coach will say, no, we keep it on. We have everything. Uh, official visits are down to the minute. And, and, you know, we know where everyone is. You don't just let, oh, Nicole Player, Billy Preston's mom just happens to meet a couple guys who happen to start paying her. And Bill Self doesn't know about it. Nobody at Kansas knows about it. This isn't happening in the shadow of anything. It's happening right out in the open. Now, if you want to buy, oh, there's no smoking gun proof. We don't have video of it going down. If that's your standard, fine. But you are naive, 
and ridiculous to think this didn't happen. And that's my opinion on it. <laughs> Naive, ridiculous, or just flat lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not some Missouri. I have nothing against Kansas. I don't care. But just the facts of the case. Give me I a I mean, break. they always say this these things. Totally they ridiculous. need receipts. They actually have receipts with Kansas. <laughs> they have bank <laughs> records of large cash payments twice to Nicole yes, Blair. Like, right. Adidas you was. You have TJ Gasnola. Under oath at a federal trial where if he lies, he gets prosecuted. He has a, yeah. he has a non-prosecution agreement. Like, you know, and they, he, doesn't, he doesn't say they knew. Oh, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. again, you just, you might, you might be able to argue not guilty because there's not enough evidence. But you ain't, if you claim innocence on this, I, I can't take you serious. Please. This clearly happened. I mean, I'm just not that stupid. The whole like TJ Gasnola is not a booster by the definition of booster is if that is like their argument to get out of this, it's like the <laughs> single dumbest argument in NCAA history. <laughs> sure. It is. I mean, he was the booster. Was TJ like, Gasnola acting on their behalf to pay money to get them players. You yet, can't period. boost more and than that. That is the boostiest of boosters. Yeah. <laughs> There's literally text messages of him saying to me, Bill Self, KU, number one. They're the ones I go for. Like, he's not a booster, but like anybody, if you went, ever attended a college, you're automatically a booster, right? I'm not, I could not name, I, this is true. I could not name the University of Massachusetts basketball coach right now. I don't even know who he is. I could not name him. Matt I have McCall. set foot on campus one time in the last 20 something years, <laughs> but I'm a booster. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, but the guy texting with Bill Self saying, as far as I'm concerned, you're the priority. <laughs> that's not a booster. Okay. You have a podcast no where you it, religiously brag about not giving money to the university, yet you're a booster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who the coach is. Mom, you're a booster. All right. I guess so. I don't know. I could care less what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, Kansas totally did it. I'm sorry. Okay, you can you can be that dumb, but I'm not going to be that dumb. And you better hope the NCAA committee is that dumb. And judging by the people on that committee that are going to make this determination, boy, good luck to you and the Red Sox on that one, man. Yeah, because I don't, I just don't see it. I, no. I think you're going to get nailed. So enjoy the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's almost like the old Tark thing. Well, well, uh, the guys were in the hot tub with a guy named Eddie the Fixer Perry <laughs> drinking beer at seven in the morning. What's it really show? What's it really show? You know, like uh, not really great optics yeah. on that for, one. For posterity, <laughs> Richard the Fixer Perry. Oh, Richie, I don't want to. Uh, my apologies to Eddie Perry out there. I did not mean to slant Eddie the Fixer. Uh, not not you. Other, yeah. If Kansas makes the final four, like if you're a Kansas fan, like just don't buy season tickets the next three, four years. Dump all your money in going to Atlanta. Like it's this is their last <laughs> night on port for Kansas, you know. <laughs> and, and let the record state me, media, I am rooting for Kansas versus Louisville on that Monday night. I mean, that's what I want. I'm not against you. I want to see it happen, man. Kansas, Louisville, Auburn, LSU final four. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Let's do this. Let's do it. I'm good with that. John Duncan Invitational. <laughs> it was like the year after we did the Willie Lyles story. Remember Willie Lyles, the scout down in Texas who had like the scouting service that like one of the kids on the scout, his service that he put together was like passed away. Like it was, yeah, his scouting <laughs> service was, 
<laughs> wasn't really much scouting. It was just a way to for or is like Oregon played. I can't remember who it was. Oregon versus Auburn. Auburn might have been it's on LSU. that one too. We called it LSU. It was at Oregon. We called it the Willie Lyles Bowl. You know, like Willie, <laughs> get Willie out there. Recruited half the kids. Uh, so I think it'll be a great Final Four if we get all those guys in there. But I don't want to hear a Kansas fan tell me, uh, "Well, there's nothing here." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> tell them to take the one. yellow brick road, and they'll find they'll find Kansas's innocence at the end of it. Yeah, you can right. find some media member that'll buy that argument, but it ain't going to be me. I sat through all that stuff, and so didn't two two attorneys from Kansas. And man, they were sweating bullets one one <laughs> row in front of me in the Moynihan courthouse. <laughs> Those guys, <laughs> Whew. that was not that was not a couple of good days for the Kansas <laughs> lawyers when TJ was on the stand dishing dirt. So today, man is successfully probing deep into the mysteries of the universe. Time is like a freeway with an infinite number of lanes. Can he penetrate the greatest mystery of all, time itself? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You've got to come back with me! Back to the future! I think this is a fun little thing. Uh, Sully, this is a, a Sully idea. Let's give credit where credit is due. It's like the sliding doors theory of college football or uh, alternative reality. Sully, what are we calling this? Yeah, let's uh, let's call it the butterfly effect. College football butterfly. Butterfly. Effect. And it's uh, we got to give a little bit of credit where credit's due. You shared a story to uh, Banner Society story that we'll get into today. So yeah, BannerSociety.com did this. Alex Kirshner. Love this stuff. Alternative history. So here is the all of the ways one Oklahoma play might have changed college football history. All right? One one thing. So probably at least one of you was there. Oklahoma, Georgia in the 2017 Rose Bowl. Who was there? Anyone? I was there. Pete was there. Yep. That was the year right. Pete got all the good games. I got games. all the good games that year. Okay. Pat's still mad about that too, by the way. You could tell he's got this like pout on his face. Correct. <laughs> Sour milk Where face. were you, Pat? Mm. Clemson. Yeah, 24 to oh, 6. I also got the double dip at the Rose Bowl that year because I was there for the Josh Rosen game against Texas A&M when they came all the way back. The second huh. biggest comeback in the history of college Same football. stadium. Yep. Well, if you remember the game, Georgia won in overtime, but 45-45 with 24 seconds left. Oklahoma had the ball at the 40, their own 45-yard line. It was fourth and two. Lincoln Riley chose to punt and basically put the game into overtime where eventually Georgia won. What if Lincoln Riley had done what I think would be done now as analytics have, have surged so quickly, gone forward on two and converted? Now, he had Baker Mayfield. He had an absolute high-powered offense. If they get the two and a new set of downs, they only need about 20 yards to kick, kick the field goal. So the presumption here is Lincoln Riley goes for it on two. Oklahoma wins the game. Now, here are all of the interesting things uh, that might have happened. All right. Oklahoma plays Alabama in the national championship game. Could Oklahoma have beaten Alabama? No. Uh, this is I don't think they would have either. But Georgia almost did. I don't think Oklahoma could have done that. I mean, Oklahoma couldn't stop. I was going to say couldn't stop a cold, but I guess it's the wrong season to, to be talking about uh, snacks and viruses and everything like that. Oklahoma's defense was porous beyond belief. And I just think Alabama could have could have rammed it down their throat as they did in uh, other playoff games. against. OK, so assuming that. Alabama's first half, they start running the ball down their throat and scoring points, which means at halftime, 
They are not trailing, which means Jalen Hurts doesn't get benched, which means Tua Tungavailoa is an unknown, remains the unknown backup quarterback at Alabama. Now, if that's the case, months later, Tua Tungavailoa told some people in Hawaii that if so there was all that drama with his dad too, game. right? I feel like he was he was he was going to transfer. Hinting at that he was going to transfer as well. I to leave the if he school, wasn't so going to win the job that next year, if I there's didn't a whole play in the last game, which was the national him. championship game, I would transfer out. So Tua leaves. Now Tua leaves. He's uh, the belief is he's most likely to end up at USC, which finished second for him and it went to Alabama. I think USC was second, right? Yeah, right. Although they had yeah. JT Daniels committed, I don't think he could have gone there. Yeah, like you're not going to go and like. Try, you got to go somewhere you're going to play. And you're not going to go. JT Daniels was the five-star, no-brainer, modern day, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he's going to get beat out by Keaton Slovis next year and has been outplayed by him. But at the time, I would think the location would be dictated on immediate playing opportunity. You know, you're screwing up the whole Sorry. segment, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was looking at Dan's face when you were going through that, and Dan's like, no, 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 no. See, I can't see Dan. I Either way, that, the, that the was DW. where Tua wanted to go, and his dad was like, no, you should go to Alabama. So the mm. USC is probably the landing destination. He's going to get the comment. If, with, if he transferred out. Point is, point yeah. still stands. I'm not much fun at parties either, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Pete's going to be in the comment section of Banner Society going, actually, I mean, you know, it's a... Uh, Yes, the what? You know, go well, find your wonder lick and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Pete got like a four on the wonder lick and then he pretended he lost it. That's the truth. Determined to undermine the rest of the show. It's part of the process, tanking to win. All right, so basically, Tua goes to the USC. All of a sudden, USC is really good. That could mean they beat Notre Dame and keep them out of the two playoffs, which would have put Georgia actually in. Tua with Jalen Hurts, does Alabama make the 2008 playoffs, 18 playoffs? Oh, then he doesn't transfer to Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot. lot of Helton's not on the hot seat anymore. Yeah. Right. Helton. There's a lot of good things. All right. Next time we do one of these, it's going to be more. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get <laughs> sealed up. I actually think Pete's point's pretty good. I think, I think he probably <laughs> would have transferred to like Purdue. I have a whole doc full of random instances dating back to the 50s and Bear Bryant. So we, we, we'll we have plenty of these throughout Bottom the summer. Bottom line, Tua ends up at UCLA and UCLA becomes a hot team on the West Coast. Ah, all right. I go. think he goes to Hawaii something. and leads the Rainbow Warriors <laughs> to the glory of the Colt Brennan era. That's my dream. Take him to the playoff. The playoff. I want Hawaii to win a natty. <laughs> old, you, old Todd Graham there. We'll let you go cover him. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got one last thing here uh, before we close this out. This is a story I think we all could. We're going to go back to the coronavirus because it is everything these days. So these two women, they're from England and they go on vacation in uh, Cambodia and they had a layover in Singapore before flying into London. Okay, so they have the layover in Singapore and they decide to get absolutely smashed drunk. And they have to be at the airport at 6 a.m. So they just basically stayed up all night partying and figured they'd get on their flight in Singapore and sleep it off as they flew all the way to London. Problem is they got on the plane. Uh, this is Julia Wellington and uh, 
Well, what her friend's name is. Anyway, Julia tells the story to the Sun newspaper in Great Britain, which is quite a periodical. Yeah, I didn't I even gonna... know they had words in them. <laughs> I'm sure this is all very factual and not exaggerated by the Sun. Listen, this is about as factual as our Banner Society thing. <laughs> I had been throwing up in the hotel because I hadn't eaten, and I just had way too much to, to drink. Well, she sounds like a <laughs> peach of a young Char- lady. Charmer. Yeah. <laughs> How proud are you? How proud are you? <laughs> newspaper. All right. We had to be at the airport at six. So we both had our leave. I felt so hungover. So Wellington's in her seat and she goes, uh, I asked the steward if they had any basically aspirin and maybe somewhere to lie down. She was basically, uh, tell, she told them she wasn't feeling well, thinking they might put me in business class. The problem was due to the coronavirus, the air, the, the stewards uh, flipped out. Panic ensued. Oh. And her and her friend began protesting that they are just hung over. Uh, I, they did not have the coronavirus. I tried to explain that I was just tired and hung over, but they moved everyone on my row away and made me lie down. They also asked me to put a mask on and started taking my temperature every 30 minutes. It was horrendous on a 14-hour flight. They told me that they were in touch with doctors on the ground at Heathrow and they would be waiting for me. Okay. Then they made everyone, including us, fill out forms straighting where we had traveled from, our addresses, and if we had any symptoms. People were putting a double mask around me because they thought I had coronavirus. <laughs> uh, when they landed, the the doctors came in in hazmat suits and uh, and 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 ushered them off and and began to quarantine them. They <laughs> took them to a hospital. <laughs> Worst flight ever. What do you think? I'd be curious where you guys sit on this. Like, if there's one thing now, we we all travel a lot, fly a lot. I do not drink on planes. Like alcohol and plane. Like I just feel like it's diminishing. Like you do not want to fly hungover. Like that is something. Like I will. I don't even have so much as like a sip of alcohol on planes. I just think that is a miserable way to travel. I, I don't know if if you subscribe to that at all, Dan. Hell no, I don't subscribe to that. I'm not flying the plane. <laughs> <laughs> How do you subscribe to this? Pete, you and I are flying to Japan together, supposedly, if this Olympics go, and I guarantee you we're going to get drunk at least once on the flight. Maybe twice. That's the great thing about flying that far. You can get drunk, sober up, and then get drunk again. Absolutely. That's my plan. What, the, what do you mean you don't drink on oh, the plane? I never drink on planes. It's just like you just feel off. For that like, for feel- that long of a flight, I almost think this is a win because they moved everybody out of the row. You have your own row now. <laughs> that's true if you're not in first but is class it worth they keep waking you is up worth- you're hungover and you want to sleep and they keep waking you <laughs> up and sticking <laughs> your temperature when you don't have the disease that's a good point <laughs> what yeah this is coronavirus two words versus coronavirus one word <laughs> and yes that's a bad that's a bad outcome it's a virus Absolutely caused by too much corona as opposed to coronavirus yeah right yes. Yes. not a virus exactly. just a just a, a state, I guess, yes. um, yeah. an impediment. The Irish flu or yes. English flu in this case. Yes. But uh, good God. No, that's horrifying. And I, I will drink on the way to Tokyo. I can guarantee you that. I mean, I saw pictures of uh, Pat drinking at the uh, Pac-12 swim meet. It looked like <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> might have yeah. been more than one. Might have been hey. more than one. We can we can tailgate us swim dads. Let me tell you. <laughs> so it was, is it like uh, our kids get up at five a.m. so we don't have to like and train? <laughs> no, it's got to right. be. Yeah, you're not responsible for driving to the meet <laughs> yeah. anymore, right? Hell no, man. This is easy street. You don't have to do anything. 
They take care of transportation, feeding, lodging, swimsuits, swim caps, swim goggles. You don't know how many times you get that. Uh, my goggles broke. Can you get me another pair? Like where? When? How? None, not anymore. All right. Well, here's how this story ends. So she said she and her friend were sent to a place near the airport that looked like it was under construction with scaffolding on the outside. We were told not to open our blinds, not to tell our family and friends much, just to say we were fine and we'd be home soon. It was like a ghost town in there. All the medics were wearing spacesuits of the quarantine facility. But Valentine said she and her friend ultimately found the perfect way to pass time. We ordered room service. With Corona to drink. (laughs) (laughs) And there it is on Instagram is a picture of these two dingbats drinking Corona in their quarantine. (laughs) It's almost as good as the drone bringing the bottle of wine onto the quarantine ship. (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah, that is tremendous. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do. You know, disease pandemic (laughs) hits. We all have to be more resourceful. Uh, a lot happened today. I'm still bitter about this Wonderlick test, but we'll be back next week. Winner! Winner! Right here. Not happy. Not happy. Uh, wash your hands, people. We don't want any to die. We don't have enough listeners already. We can't lose any of you. Very precious to us. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>